So listen, uh, in our series, Pursuit, uh, we, we have talked about the pursuit of God. We talked about pursuit of relationships last week. And this week, we're going to talk about pursuit of life. And our scriptures, uh, two scriptures we've had as an emphasis in this series, because it, it speaks of uh, our pursuit. It speaks of what our affections are set on and how hard we should pursue after God. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. In Deuteronomy 4.29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now we established that the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Say that with me. Mind, will, emotions. That those, those three things are engaged without question in the things that we are pursuing that is for sure. The, the noun pursuit is the action of following or pursuing someone or something. Synonyms, striving towards, quest after or for, search for, aim, goal, objective, dream. That obviously it sets for us a target. There's something that we're focused on and we're pursuing it with all that we are so that we can attain it. Can you say Amen. And so what I wanted to do today is give you uh, three words that define the word life. Because it, it's kind of like the word love. It's, you know, we use one word in the English language, and yet in, in the Greek and Hebrew, we have many words for the word love to help us to understand it. That love, love in that sense can be a friendly affection. Like I can have a friendship with Ian, and we like each other. And, and, and you know, there's those moments, you know, where you just like, hang out, you have a cup of coffee, and you really just enjoy one another's company, right? Uh, or I can have a relationship with my wife, and it comes with more than just friendship. Can some of the men in the house say amen and the ladies, right? Thank God for marriage. Don't look at me like that. It's okay in marriage, right? It, we, we let the world teach us about those things, and we're talking about the eros kind of love. Not only do I have phileo, I have phileo with my brother, but when with my wife, I have phileo and eros love and agape love. See, I, I could, I could uh, fault my wife or she could fault me, and what do I need to do? What's the Bible say we need to do? Forgive, right? Where does that fall into? Is that a, uh, um, um, phileo? Is that eros? No, that comes back to agape, unconditional love. And so there's more than one word. Well, it's the same in the, in, in, in the reflection of the word life is we'll say life, but what all does it mean? So number one, the word bios, bios, or biological or natural life. It describes plant and animal life, uh, if you will, the creation of God. When, when he created all life, what happened was is bios took place. We, we know that uh, uh, in school you take biology, and you learn about life. You learn about how uh, there's plant life and animal life and human life and so on and so forth. So it's the natural life. It describes, uh, if you will, um, and it encompasses the body. Uh, everything that's physical about us uh, would be reflected to the word bios. Now, here's some things that are good to do with your, your physical body, if you will. You can eat healthy, right? If you pursue a, a healthy diet, exercise, abstain from destructive substances, 
and you rest the body, and there's probably many other things you could do, but if you think about it, all those are physical things that you can do that's going to cause your body to function, right, better, to live longer, correct? So in a sense, when you exercise, you're pursuing what? For your physical body, what are you pursuing? You're pursuing life. When you eat, right, what are you doing? You're pursuing life for your physical body. Now, I want to ask you something. Have you ever struggled to go, like, you know, we're getting ready to do this Daniel fast. Now, we get to eat, but we just don't get to eat things that are really, unless you love salads and that's all you like to eat, and, you know, grains and beans and that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I enjoy it, but I don't enjoy just that. I mean, T-bone steak, you know, chicken breast grilled, you know, whatever. I, I like that stuff alongside my salad. Amen? And so, so here's the thing I'm going to ask you, though. Did anybody ever go three days and not have your body say, hey, you need to eat? I know it didn't say it to you, but it said it to you. You know what I'm saying? Right? It, stomach starts growling. You start feeling pain. Isn't that correct? Why? Because if you continue on that course, you're not going to live. Come on now. Well, I want to subject to you that the same as the body is wired in a physical sense to crave that, it, it, it also is wired in the realm of the soul to desire things that bring life and in the realm of the spirit. Let's look at the, the next word. Suke also speaks of natural life and is often referred to as manner of life. This encompasses the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So things like education, relaxation, exercise, recreation, come on guys, right? Those kind of things rejuvenate your soul, they, they renew you in a sense. Anybody ever, you know, uh, work a job where you just, it's kind of like, you ever see the, the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial where the guy's going to make the donuts and he comes home and he, you know, wakes up and I, time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts. And he's going out the door and he meets himself at the door and he's time to make the donuts and he says, I already made the donuts, right? Anybody, everybody, anybody ever felt like that in life? I think we've all been there once or twice in life, you know. And in that, that's those times where, you know, relaxation is the only thing that's going to restore you. Because when you start seeing yourself, you've got some mental problems. Right? You start talking to yourself. Anybody in here ever talk to yourself? Right? It's not too bad to talk to yourself. When you start answering yourself, you might have a problem. You see what I'm saying? I mean, look, I would say that all of us have been in moments of stress in our life where really the only way to regain life is to relax, to rest, to, to maybe read something that would give us some insights to how we can restructure our life and prioritize our life so we're not so overwhelmed that what ends up happening is we have a mental breakdown. Come on now. Y'all with me? Yeah. You, give me that, you know, I know this is one thing about this church. When you're engaged, you're quiet as church mice, you know. And it makes it as hard as it can be on the preacher to preach because he's like, are they with me or not? <laughs> but I want you to know this, that the same as it is in your, in your physical life, same as it is in your, in your soul realm, your, your, your mind and your will and your emotions, in that realm of your life, there comes that side of the spirit. And the same as you would have to feed your body and the same as you have to feed your soul, that you've got to feed your spirit. And this word is the word zoe. Zoe, the life of God, eternal life. This is encompasses the spirit. So these are things like the things that, that cause this to take place. Uh, first and foremost, we're dead in our spirit until we come to that 
revelation that God gave his son to die on the cross for our sins and that when we open our heart and receive Christ and receive the gift of salvation by the grace of God to us, not by our own merit, we didn't earn it, we accept it. And when we accept it, what happens is, is it happens in our life. It just takes place and we, we sense that heavy burden lift and we sense something come to life in us. We sense a desire to pursue God come to life in us. I, I can say that I've had my ups and downs, but I remember the day that I gave my life to Christ. And when I walked out of that place that day, what I knew, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to chase hard after God for the rest of my life. What I didn't know, what my spirit's telling me, hey, this is it. I'm alive. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and now I'm alive. Christ has made me alive, and because of that Zoe life that came in me, I want God. I desire God. The spirit in me desires to fellowship with the one who made me alive. Then all of a sudden I find out i got to contend with my mind, my will, and emotions. i, I got to contend with the, the physical body. Anybody ever sat down to read the Bible and you're like, okay, I'm going to read these two chapters or three chapters and you get like, you know, three or four verses in and you fall asleep? Come on now. Anybody get three or four verses in and you're like, what the world does this mean? Because somebody told you you had to read the King James Version because it's the only real version, you know, something like that. If that offended somebody, don't let it offend you. You know, let it help you, you know. All I know is people have been saved by reading the NIV. They've been saved by the New Living Translation. They've been saved by the King James. They've been saved by the New King James, the ESV, and I'll stop right there. Because there's a whole lot of translations out there. And, you know, are, there's, there's this thing or that thing. Sure. But if we get caught up in that, now all of a sudden we're caught up in the mental side of things and not understanding that, you know, the Spirit of God is big enough, is great enough to guide us into all truth, just as the Scripture says, that the Spirit will come and He'll guide you into all truth. And if you pick up something, well, they didn't translate that the way it's translated in this one. You know, don't get hung up on that. Get hung up on the message of the Bible, Get hung up on Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that he died on a cross to save you from your sins. Get caught up on the fact that, you know, by his stripes you're healed. You got sickness in your life, get caught up on the fact that Jesus came to give you life. And you need to seize that life by pursuing him. Well, but there's one discrepancy here. They left a the out. Okay? So go back to the original text and you find out what that says. Let me say this. Get yourself a good Strong's Concordance, a Vines Concordance. You know what? Uh, you can Google it now. I mean, you can go right in there and say, you know, Strong's Concordance on this word in translation. And you can go back to the original text and you want to get that, that particular about it. You can find out exactly what the scripture, sa scripture says in its original text. So when we get caught up in those things, what happens is, is we exchange life for a lie. Paul the Apostle said, some argue over words to no profit. Some people get caught up on words, and what happens is they exchange life for words. And what I would say to us is that the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together to bring us to the place of truth. Does that make sense to you? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be diligent studiers to know what the text says. But I'm saying don't get caught up on the wrong things because you might find that it's your suke, your mind, getting in the way of the spirit. So, uh, bios, suke, and zoe. You got those? Man, you all are quiet. 
Got them? Amen? All right, you're with me. Uh, So A, here's what I want to point out. How do we find Zoe life? Most of the points I make today are going to be in question form. I want you to go out of here thinking about how do you do these things and how are you going to find them? How do you find Zoe life? I'll answer this from my perspective in our sermon series, and that's we pursue it. If you want Zoe life, you got to pursue it. In Deuteronomy 30 and 19 through 20, this is what God says. This day, I call heaven, the heavens, and the earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, say now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is life the lord is life the lord is zoe he's life if you want to find life get a hold of jesus you want the kind of life that god has to offer the kind that jesus comes and says he has to offer you you got to get a hold of him you remember the woman with the issue of blood she was facing death and it wasn't necessarily by choice obviously we don't know all the details to how she ended up that way but we do know she had a, an issue of blood a flow of blood and she's bleeding 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 can't stop bleeding and going to every doctor and spending all of her money on doctors and there's nothing wrong with doctors she obviously did that but what it did it came to the point to where no matter what she did she could not find life she couldn't find it in the physical realm the bios realm and she couldn't find it in the suke realm she had to go to zoe she had to go to life itself Jesus Christ, and if I can but just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Okay, I can't preach in tents. She got a hold of life, and she lived. Death was turned away, and life returned to her. What I know is is that when she touched the hem of his garment... Jesus, we know in that crowd where he's being, the, it's the word thronged, you know, it, it's kind of like watching a, a, a modern day rock concert thronged. You see that crowd in there that's bumping against one another. There's such a crowd that you're, you're bumping to get through the crowd. You ever been to, to a fair and you're walking down the, what do you call the main strip? When you're walking down the main strip and you're coming down through there and you're kind of like, you know, ducking and diving and moving and you're kind of bumping people. That's what it was like. She presses through the crowd, the Bible says. She presses through to get a hold of life. And when she presses through and she touches the hem of his garment, she's made whole immediately. Jesus does one of these. He's, he's going through and he's being bumped and, and, he, and he's like, er, well, who touched me? And his disciples are like, what? What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching us. It's like, it's a crowd in here. Because the Bible says, because he knew that the virtue had left his body. Say virtue. Virtue. See, that's power. The Zoe life that was in him, there was some Zoe life in him. Now, it remained in him, but Zoe life in him went out of him into that woman. And it was faith that connected to it that caused its release from him. See, think about it. From a physical standpoint, she couldn't get anything from a mental standpoint, you know, emotion, I'm quite certain there was a lot of emotion involved. I'm sure friends, even doctors, may, if they had good bedside manner, were gripped with emotion for her situation. But it wasn't those two forms of life that was going to change her situation. It was eternal life. 
Zoe life that was going to change her situation. Can you say amen? John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. The, the emphasis here I want to focus on, we can't get to the Father unless it go, we go through Jesus, but the emphasis is he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is life itself, and if we get to him, we get to the one that's the creator of life. Amen. We actually begin to engage in everything I've been talking about, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that we engage the Godhead and we receive all the blessing that comes in a right relationship with God. He pours out upon us everything that we could ever hope for. Does that mean in the moment that we want it? Does that mean that we don't go through hard situations? No, but the key is, is to continue to press through the crowd of your situation and get to Jesus and touch him and let the Zoe life flow out of him. Let there be virtue flow out of Christ into your life. See, when we choose to pursue relationship with Jesus, we are walking in the right direction with a clear understanding of our choices and a certain expectation of attaining Zoe life. Let me say it to you again. When we choose to pursue relationship with Jesus, we are walking in the right direction with a clear understanding of our choices and a certain expectation of attaining Zoe life. Our pursuit, knowing that we can attain it, knowing that we can have it, that was her attitude. If I can but just touch the hem of his garment, she had a target, she had a focus. She knew if I can get to that, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm focused on it, I'm going to press through, I'm going to pursue it until I attain it. And guess what? It was exactly the way God had shown her it would be. I want to say this, that, that God says, I set before you life and death, choose life. When you think about the Garden of Eden, God created mankind to live forever. Adam and Eve, I mean, they're take, I mean, think about it this way. If you, if you don't think about this sometimes and just get a little bit ticked off at Adam and Eve, then I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, there's times where I read that story and I'm thinking, why did you mess it up for the rest of us, man? You know what I'm saying? Because they really did. Subject, born into sin. They had life and it was eternal. And the day that they ate from that tree, what happened was, is they exercised the free will, the suke. See, listen, it was suke back then, and it's suke now. The difference is we were born into sin. They chose it. And when we're born again, and we, we experience Zoe life, God empowers us by his spirit once again. That, that guess what? Life and death is set before us. Choose life. Now, let me say this. If you've given your heart to Jesus, do you know the Bible says that no one can pluck you from God's hand. Do you believe that? If you, see, if you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, Jesus Christ comes in. How many in the room right now, though, are working out their salvation unto God? How many got some stuff you're still, you get what I'm saying? You're working that stuff out. And, and part of that is, is, well, here's this tree and here's this tree. The day you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you ate from the tree of life. He is that tree. He is the truth, the way, and the life. And when you eat from it, when you, that relationship with him, you know, you know, the moment where he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, in the end of service today, we're going to take communion together. 
unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. He was referring to the sacrifice that he made. It's why he commanded us to, to uh, as often as we gather together, to do this in remembrance of him. We need to remember what it is that Christ did. Because when we remember it, that he came to give us life, what happens is, is life or death, am I going to go my way or am I going to go God's way? I think I'll keep eating from that tree. I'll keep eating from the word of God. I'll keep eating from, from times of prayer where I'm asking God by his spirit, would you show me and help me understand what your scriptures mean in this area and what it means in this area of my life? Would you show me and help me understand what it means in my marriage? Would you show me and help me what it means where it comes to raising my kids? Would you show me and help me where, where it comes to my relationships and friendships? Will you show me where, in my workplace? Will you show me wherever I go, God, what your word means? Because I know it's a, it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. So every step I take and where I'm going, what my target is, my path, my target, my focus, my pursuit, I know that I need your word to guide every step I take so that I actually hit the target that I'm pursuing. That's what the woman with the issue of blood certainly did. She knew where she was going. She was going to get life. She was pursuing it at all costs. B, in your notes there. So with that in mind, what obstacles are standing in the way of your pursuit of Zoe life? What obstacles are standing in, your way, in the way of your pursuit of Zoe life? One, is it the object of your pursuit? Is it the object of your pursuit? Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I set before you life and death. There's a way that may seem right to us, and sometimes when, when things are going on, it, all that is is an assessment. It doesn't mean that, that you're like, oh, I'm a horrible person, and you need to get in guilt. Look, if you get in guilt when Jesus came to free you of guilt, guess what? <laughs> you're eating from the wrong tree still. See, so, what happens with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is there's evil on it, and there's good on it. You know, John Bevere, actually, I haven't read this book yet. I've seen a couple clips by, by him on this new book he wrote called uh, good versus God and if you will it's a it's it's the idea of that, that that there's good on that tree and there's evil on that tree and 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 can good be the enemy of God as much as evil is the enemy of God and let me give you an example of that when you when you share Christ with somebody they're like well I've never hurt anybody I haven't murdered anybody or I've been nice to people so I don't know why I wouldn't go to heaven because there's only one way to heaven there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, because He's the truth, the way, and the life. Not your good intentions, not your good deeds. They don't get you there. It's the work of Christ that gets you there. Amen? And so, so, so in that, in that uh, frame of mind, sometimes I think we can, because, well, that's, this is a good pursuit, we, we can get that in focus, and what happens is we're not asking the question, God, is this pursuit in my life, is the things that I'm pursuing and the way I'm pursuing them, are these glorifying of you, and this, is this what you want for my life, or is it just my own will, and it's being asserted? It's good to do those assessments. Number two, is it demonic influence? Is it demonic influence? John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to, to, <laughs> to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that uh, they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know, and look, that wasn't the abundantly, 
I want them to have, you know, a Cadillac, and I want them to have a, a mansion, and I want them to have... Jesus wasn't going down the list and like, how can I give them, like, everything that they possibly could ever want? Now, you tell me which one of you raised your children that way. Because my kids, I want this, and I want that, and I want, I want, I want. And I'm like, yeah, you can want in one hand, and in the other, it's empty, you know. It's, it, I'm not doing everything you want. I'll provide for your needs. I'll raise you to understand responsibility. Come on now. Now, you know, you think about it when you get to heaven, you know, even the discussion, it's like, well, I want a log cabin mansion. Some people want, you know, uh, their, their mansion built out of diamonds. And some people, you know, I don't think that's what Jesus is really defining. You understand that, that he's spirit. And, and that, that to get into the idea of a mansion, it's your dwelling place. Say dwelling place. And you go and do a study on that word, and what you're going to find is, is right here's home. I want you to do that. Right here is my home. Right here is God's home. Ah. He chooses to dwell in us. To think about it, that he, ha- he has chosen to dwell in earthen vessels. You know, Solomon comes... And he says, I'm going to build this spectacular temple. This, 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 this place, David wants to do it. David can't build it because of blood on his hands. Solomon's going to build the temple, and it's going to be unbelievably, you know, beyond the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of Moses, anything that's ever been built for God to dwell in, it's not, nothing will ever compare to this. And, and you know what God says to David? He lets him do it because God knows his intent is to honor God and to glorify God. And is it in God's plan yet? But God makes this statement to David. He says, David, I didn't ask you to build me a house. I didn't ask you for that. And he goes on and he says, but I'll build a house for you. In the latter days, say latter days, I will raise up the tabernacle of David is what he says. See, the tabernacle of David was basically animal skins that just draped over poles, kind of like a tent, but it was open. And see, in the, in the city of David, when, you, when, when David went and got the, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the representative of the presence of God, God's dwelling place, he sets that Ark in that little tent. And when he sets that Ark in that little tent, what happens is because of the way that it was formed, you could actually see the flicker of the blue flame of God's power and presence, the Shekinah glory setting on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that they worship day and night. There are Christians all around the world. Do you know that it, at any given point, there are believers that are worshiping? And we are the fleshly, like the animal skins were, we are the fleshly skin hanging on the tabernacle of God. Where he's chosen to dwell in us in all his glory and splendor. And that when we worship him, what happens is people look. It's like, what, what are they doing? Didn't you do that at one point? Like, why are they raising their hands? Why are these people clapping? Why are they singing off to nowhere with such emotional expression? Because we are the latter days tabernacle of David. That God's presence dwells in. And when we worship him, all of a sudden people see just a little flicker of the blue flame that's in us. The presence of God in our lives. And it's the only way to deal with the enemy. See, 
if the thing's standing in your way, if, if it feels like you can't pursue God, throw on a little bit of worship. Prayer is worship as well. Reading scripture is worship because worship simply means to bow. Humble yourself and pursue God. Hold him in high esteem and bring yourself low to him so that he is exalted on high. You watch how quick the demons, the demonic, those evil presences that want to try and stump you up and cause you to fall or, or mess up or be distracted, watch how quick they go. Because they can't dwell in God's presence. Proof in case, you can go back and read about David as well in the story of David and Saul. Anybody hear of David and Saul? Saul would throw spears at him. <laughs> They'd stick in the wall. David's like, whoa, man, got out of that one. Woo! You know, that lost his life. He'd start playing his harp, praising God. And as he would play that harp and praise God, that says, it says this, the evil spirit that God had sent to Saul would depart from him. When David wasn't worshiping, it would come back. When David worshiped, it would go away. Demonic presence can't dwell where God is worshiped. And when that's the case, you'll experience the abundant life. Listen, I remember... I was 21. We're in Sierra Vista, Arizona. 22. Somewhere in there. <laughs> you know, they say your memory is the first thing to go as you get older. <laughs> I remember standing in the crowd with my nice suit on. Remember that? And even though I had been saved in a church similar to ours, and they all clapped and they praised God, you know. And I'm not condemning, you know, any way that you decide to worship. I'm just saying I was very reserved. Would you agree? I had the golf clap worship going, right? And I was dignified. I'm a military man and I'm going to keep my, you know, military bearing and I'm not going to do anything that's embarrassing or would distract or draw any attention to me. And I'm standing there, and I remember in the midst of that service, Miracle Valley, which I went back and preached in that Bible college years later, a couple years later. Standing there, when all of a sudden, I hear the Spirit of God say to me, oh, look at you, you're so refined. And it was literally so vivid that I gulped. And I'm like, well, Lord, I just, you know, I, I love you. I remember thinking it. I wasn't saying it out loud. I'm just like, Lord, I love you. You know, I mean, kind of like thinking, well, what are you asking me to do? And he said, I want you to dance before me. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> and I remember I'm standing there like, that is not going to happen. I'm just kind of like inside, like, that is not going to happen. Lord, ask me for anything else. I will not do that. I don't even know how to dance you know i mean what am i supposed to dance well you danced in the hip-hop clubs that was different that was like you know <laughs> at all the trust i mean you know that debate i guarantee you that debate with god because it's in the midst of worship and that debate was gone over and over it had to be close to 10 minutes and i'm i mean i'm gulping through the whole thing like you know i feel like god's presence so strong and people are worshiping him so free and i'm like thinking to myself 
you know, they're all doing that kind of stuff, and I don't have to, and, and there's just different forms of worship, and, and that's true. He, and, you know, all that's true. And he's like, yes, but this is what I want from you. <laughs> and I mean, I'll never forget. I just look, I think I looked over at you and just went, I'm going to. It's letting her know, like, you know, where she's like, where's he going or whatever. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to step over here. So anyway, I step out to the side and kind of back up a little bit on the, kind of like on an aisle over there or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of like over there and I'm kind of like, you know. <laughs> kind of like, I can't dance like I did in the hip hop club. You know, that just ain't going to fly, you know. <laughs> And I'm just kind of like, you know, so I just kind of start doing this jumping up and down. Whatever. I'm moving for God. And he's moving me beyond my comfort zone. Because in a sense, it wasn't about, it wasn't about that I've got to dance. It was about, I was in a rut. Because it was the way I wanted it. Not the way God wanted it. See what I'm saying? See, in the physical sense, what I wanted in my natural sense, what I wanted, and in my mind, my suke, what I felt the perception would be about me. I'm a serious military man. I'm a, I, I'm a combat man. You know what I'm saying? I can't do those kind of things. And it was in that moment. I'll tell you what, it, it probably for about, I don't know, three to five minutes, I'm over there kind of struggling. Like, what do I do? And in, in the end, as I'm j- just kind of hopping up and down and just worshiping the Lord. And look, you, I'm not telling you that's what you got to do. I'm just trying to say be open to things that God may ask of you because, look, don't be surprised that he would test you. Don't be surprised that God will test you. He tests us. Do, do we want what he can give us and we don't want to give back? I think God already knows where our heart's at. And sometimes he'll come and he'll touch something and say, hey, would you do that? Why, why do I got to do that? Because I'm just testing whether or not you're mine. I'm yours. And I move to you. But when I ask you to move to me, will you do it? Hmm. <clears throat> Number three, it is simply a mindset you need to change. That's what I'm talking about. Is it simply a mindset you need to change? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I had to take some thoughts captive in my flesh. In my mind, I had to take all, like, man, I, this is not something I want to do. And I had to take it captive and subject it to obedience to Christ. If you ask me for it, I'm going to do it, Lord. Now, I became that kind of man after that night because that was a stronghold in me that was broken. Sometimes I think there can be strongholds that all it is, it's kind of like flipping a magnet, right? You ever have them where they're, they're, they're lined up to where they, they repel each other and then you flip one over and all of a sudden they suck together? Sometimes that's what it's like with us and God. It's kind of like, you're like, I want my way. And God's like, well, I want my way. And I just want you to know, eventually you're the one that's going to flip one way or another in this life for the one to come. 
There are a whole lot of people, you know. We, we think of politicians and everything and how everybody like, oh, he's a flip-flopper. And, you know, let me tell you, on the day of judgment, when Jesus appears and the heavens roll back like a scroll, there are going to be a lot of flip-floppers on that day. Like, oh, I knew it all along. I just knew, <laughs> you know. Hmm. But I want to be the kind of guy. I want to be the kind of guy that allows Jesus to flip me whenever he wants to flip me, whichever way he wants to flip me, so that my relationship with him is tight. You all hear me on that. See, what are some ways to experience the life that God offers? Number one, we need to see God as the source of life. If we're going to experience the life that God has to offer, then we've got to see him as the source of life. Listen to this, Genesis 1.26, and this is where it sets it all in, in place. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creeping things <clears throat> that creeps on the earth. God sets it right. See, he makes us, he breathes the breath of life into us. He gives us the, uh, by the way, another word for life is pneuma. Say pneuma. And that's the breath of God. And it brings life where it goes. And so all of a sudden, God breathes life in the man at creation, and we're alive. And next thing you know, through procreation, we, we've got, you know, however many billion people all around the world. There's all these people that exist today because of God. To, but to experience the life that God offers requires us to acknowledge that he is the source of life. When we don't honor him as the source of life, it's kind of hard to access the life he has to offer. And all we end up with is the same thing that Adam and Eve ended up with in the garden. They gave life up for death. See, life and death were set before him, and they chose death because they denied God. They stiff-armed God. Come here, Evan. Right? I do this all the time because we need to understand that about ourselves. Adam and Eve subjected us. And I'd say Adam overall. you got to face me. Adam overall. Subject, I'm sorry. Adam overall. Stay right where you're at. Don't move. Adam overall subjected us to the futility of our own minds. He subjected us to that sin nature that he manifested in the garden. And what was it? Satan says you'll be as God. Adam says what? He ate the apple, or an apple, it's not a, the fruit. It wasn't necessarily an apple. He ate the fruit, and he died, just as God said he would. He chose death over life. He said, eat from all the trees of the garden and live. Don't eat from this one, because the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. He eats from that. And it's the same thing that sets before us, that what happens is when it comes to doing things God's way or our way, now all of a sudden we're in the suke, the will, our mind, our thoughts, our, our strongholds, if you will, and our emotions are definitely engaged in that. And we say, that's not what I want to do. And we stiff arm God and we keep him at a distance, wanting to experience the life that he offers. Just like those magnets, what happens is, is we're pushing God away. But there's something there that we know. We know that God exists. All mankind knows that God exists, but we'll still stiff arm him 
and push him away. Thank you, Evan. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Romans says that, that no man will stand before, no man or woman, no, mankind will not stand before God with an excuse. Because even the very nature around us, the Bible says, speaks of the attributes of God. And if that's the case, then either God's true or we're true. God's right or we're right. And I want to say that, that without a shadow of a doubt, God is right. And if he's right, I want to let him flip the way I think. And I want to turn from thinking that I'm the source of life, that, that everything that I do, I'm the one that can gain and I'm the one that can, can produce and make this happen for myself. And be like God that way versus just yield myself over to God and be like God through his grace and love that was given through Jesus Christ by maintaining a relationship with him. Number two. We need to make the choice to pursue life in the spirit and the word. Would you give me my water, honey? We need to make the choice to pursue life in the spirit and the word. John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and and they are life. Now, right there, if you underline that or circle it, the words, say the words that I speak to you. See, now watch the words that I speak to you. And right here, circle, they are spirit and they are life. They are pneuma and they are life. That when the word of God, when we read the word of God, these are the, the very words that were inspired by the spirit then and can be uh, uh, an inspiration to us by the presence of the Holy Spirit bringing them to, to life. Not moving from being word logos to, to rhema, divinely revealed by God's Spirit to be a rhema. And a rhema is a living word. It's not just a written word, it's a living word. They're spirit and they are life. And that's what he's saying right there. He's saying, look, the logos becomes rhema when you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you through them, they will produce Zoe life in you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division, say division, of soul and spirit. There it is, the suke and, and, and the Zoe, or the pneuma, if you will, your, your spirit man, pneuma, and suke, right? But to, to get the Zoe life, you've got to walk in the Spirit. So that what happens is you subject your own thought, your suke and your flesh. You subject it to what the Spirit of God is telling you through the Word of God. You listen to this. It says this. Uh, soul and, dividing a soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Did God ever, you know, I don't know about you, but raising my kids, there were times where I caught them, even when they're upstairs in their room and I'm downstairs in the living room, I can't see what they're doing, but everything gets quiet. And you just, you, you're thinking and then you hear one thing maybe said by them or whatever and you're like, hmm. All I had to hear was one word and I knew what the thoughts and intents that were going on. Why? Because I was a kid once. Hey, you girls, stop that fighting or whatever it was and it's like you know 
You know, you can just tell. It's like, whoa, you know. When it comes down, it's like, Daddy, how do you know we we're doing that, you know? <laughs> you know, on a much, let's say on a micro level, <laughs> I get what God's doing with us. When he wrote his word and he gave us his spirit so that there would be an aspect of discerning the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Why? It has a way of correcting our course. It has a way of instructing us in the ways of God. Philippians 2, 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That means when Christ returns. So holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. In other words, what Paul preached to them, he's saying, look, <laughs> the word of life, the importance of that in you, that when Christ returns, that, it's, that, that, God has, that Christ has been formed in you, and that when Christ returns, Paul's laboring, Paul's speaking, Paul's sharing, Paul's pastoring, all those things, his race was not in vain because the word of God was formed in them. So, as we pray today, here's what I want to ask you. Close your eyes, bow your heads, please, this morning. <clears throat> Where is your life at? If you were to look at the, the bios, if you look at the suke, and you were to look at the zoe life of God, where are you at? Are there some things that you feel like? You know what? In your bios, in, your, in the physical life that you live, are there some things that you feel like... You, God may want and you need to turn over to him and then in your suke in, in the way you think mindsets uh, feelings your will the way you assert this is what I'm doing I don't care are there some things you can turn over to God and would you be willing to turn those things over to God to receive Zoe life keep thinking on that for a moment and keep your eyes closed your heads bowed I want you to say this with me my life is more than mere moments. My life is a pursuit of eternal perspective, eternal provision, and eternal providence. My life is a pursuit of God's life for me. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much your word and God I pray that I've yielded to you hopefully enough today for them to come through me and hit the mark God your mark your pursuit of every single one of us in the room but God we feel your pursuit of us we hear your spirit speaking to us and Lord your word calling out to us and God whatever areas in our life that we need to to make alignment God whatever that flip so that we're close to you God I pray this morning that you would do that work in each of us by your Holy Spirit it is a choice God, that this morning we would make that choice to let you have every part of us. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your sacrifice. Heavenly Father, we're in love with you, and we thank you for the power 
of your spirit, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and left the church, left his people with an eternal hope. It is the mystery of the church, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And God, we thank you for the hope that you give us for the day of glory when Jesus appears again and receives us unto himself that we will forever be with the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.